Psalm 134. Psalm 134 says, Come bless the Lord, all you servants of the Lord, who stand by night in the house of the Lord. Lift up your hands to the holy place and bless the Lord. May the Lord bless you from Zion, He who made heaven and earth. Let's pray together. God, we thank You for um, this little psalm. We thank You for all of the psalms that we've been able to um, look at together over over the summer. We thank You for the psalms of ascent, and we thank You for this last one. We pray that You would help us to understand it and to believe it, and we pray that You would help us, God, um, to bless Your name and to depend upon You um, for the blessings we don't deserve. We thank you that we have all this in Christ. It's in his name we pray. Amen. I love that this, um, that this is the last psalm of ascent. I I like to, to picture this. I think because the, the people who sang the psalms of ascent, they were singing as they, um, as they traveled to Jerusalem to worship, right? So these are songs they sang together as they were traveling together to go to Jerusalem to worship at one of the feasts or festivals, they would go to the temple for a special um, designated on the calendar time of worship um, in Jerusalem. And so they're going to Jerusalem to do this, and they're singing together. And I love that this is the last psalm, because this is probably the simplest of them, right? It's not the easiest, no. But it's the simplest psalm. It's, It's very, very straightforward. It's calling us to bless the Lord, to praise His name. Is there anything more obvious than that? Is there any habit that, that should most obviously be part of our lives? Is this, this is a pretty simple, straightforward, welcome to kindergarten kind of command. And what this reminds us is, is and, and, and I love that this is the, sort of the climactic psalm in the Songs of Ascent, because what it reminds us is we never arrive to a place where we, need to, where we can stop praising the Lord. We, we never arrive to a place where we don't need this habit in our lives. A lot of you are not aware of this, but I am not an incredibly fashionable person. Um, um, I preach probably about 44 times a year. I probably wear this shirt about 36, 38 of those times. I don't... I, I just... I, 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 I don't mind going and buying clothes. I just never... Do it, and so um, so my my fashion sense is not incredible anyhow. So I go and I look at something, and I'm like, should I buy that? I don't even, I don't, even know. I don't know. So I just wear this. All right. So anyhow, it's just easier. Um, but it wouldn't matter even if I did have incredible fashion sense. Even if I went to some store right where you buy nice clothes, and I paid like 130 dollars for a shirt. If if I if when I put that shirt on, I I buttoned like the top button in the wrong buttonhole, right? If I, didn't, if I didn't line up like the buttons the way they're supposed to be lined up, it doesn't matter how nice the shirt is, I'm going to look like a doofus, right? Uh, it doesn't, I mean, it's, it's not, un- unless that is a style, by the way, like young, young people, right now you're thinking, old oh, man, that's how we wear our clothes. We, we do the buttons wrong. You're such an old, oh, shut up. Anyhow, but the, 
We understand the illustration, right? You understand the illustration, even if it is cool now to button your shirt wrong. Anyhow, um, we understand, like, you have to have, there's certain habits you have to have, there's certain things you have to have in place, or else the rest of it doesn't matter. Peyton Manning is an incredible quarterback, uh, incredible quarterback in the NFL, and he was brilliant, and he, like, he, he, he knew, he knew the defensive schemes better than the opposing defense knew them. Like, if there's a rookie linebacker lined up against him, Peyton Manning knows what that guy's supposed to do better than that guy knows what he's supposed to do. Peyton Manning's brilliant. He knew his own, he knew his own plays, he knew their plays, he knew everything. He also, though, had good footwork, good mechanics. He did the same thing every time he threw the ball, and he practiced it every single year. Just footwork. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta do your footwork. You gotta do mechanics. You gotta throw the ball right. The rest of the stuff doesn't matter if you're not throwing the ball right. This is one of those, you gotta throw the ball right kind of psalms. You have to have this stuff. There's two habits in here we have to have. And I know they're obvious, but I had to spend some time this week talking to the Lord about the fact that they're obvious but there's, they're, not as, they're not as much of a part of my life as they should be. So let's, let's think about both of these things together. There's two habits here. Two habits in the psalm. One is, is giving God the blessing He deserves. The other is trusting Him for the blessing we don't deserve. So there's a two-part sermon this morning. First habit, giving God the blessing He deserves. Second habit, trusting Him for the blessings we don't deserve. So let's think about that first habit together. Giving God the blessing He deserves. Psalm 134, 1a says, Come bless the Lord. Come bless the Lord. What does it mean to bless the Lord? When I think of someone blessing me, I think of someone improving my existence, making my life better, making me feel better about myself. I walk, when someone blesses me, I walk away from that conversation thinking, yeah, actually, I, I'm, I, yeah, I'm all right. I'm doing okay. This is good. Life is good. They, they, they elevate my happiness. They, 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 they improve my understanding of my own existence. They make me a little happier. They make me feel better about myself. They make me feel better about life. They make me feel better about the future. They, they've blessed me. When we bless God, though, can, can we possibly improve on God's existence? Can we, can we improve God's self-understanding? Can we make Him happier? Can we make His life better? Does God need us to say nice things about Him? No. No. God's happy. He's happy. You and I, we operate completely differently, and so what we do if we don't, if we don't, if we don't think about it, we think about, we, we, if we don't, if we don't, if we don't shape our thoughts around the Word of God, we start to assume God sort of operates like we do. We do. And, and, because we're always, and not, and not in sinful ways, not even in weak ways. I'm not saying this is, I'm not saying this is bad or dumb that we do this or sinful. I'm just, it can be, but it's not always. I'm just saying we're always sort of thinking about our own reputation and, and, and also just about how, how good of a job we're doing. I'm always very interested in whether or not I'm a, I'm a good husband, I'm a good pastor, I'm a, I'm a good dad, I'm a good friend. I'm, I'm always sort of thinking about that. 
And, and there are times when I feel like I'm doing pretty good, and there are times when I'm like, man, this is, I need to shape up. I, I, so, there's, so we're always sort of thinking about ourselves. God doesn't do that. God doesn't need your approval in order to feel good about himself. You can't make God feel more self-conscious or less self-conscious. God, he enjoys you. You can bring him actual joy, but you can't elevate his internal happiness. You can't make him feel better about himself. He's not wondering how he measures up. God is happy. It's it's so good for us to just remember that right now, God is happy. He is content. He is doing all things for His own glory. He is good. And His kindness to us is that He brings us into that happiness. Christ didn't die for us so that we could make God happy. Christ died for us so that we could know the eternal joy of eternal life. It was pure love. You and I have never done anything out of pure love. And that's because we're, we're creatures. We're, we're human. We are needy people. So, so I, I believe that I truly love my wife. And by, and, and, and by love her, what I mean is I is I do kind things for her. I sacrifice for her. I serve her. I am kind to her. Not perfect, but, but pretty good. Alright? So, I, I'm basically killing it. No, I, but, but, so much of what I do for her, whether I realize it in the moment or not, so much of it I do for her because I, I want her approval. I need to know who I am. I want her to think well of me. Because if she doesn't think, if she doesn't think highly of me, then I don't think highly of me. I, and I want her to love me back. I, I, I'm always kind of thinking about this relationship in, in those ways. God never thinks in those ways. If God loves you, it's because He loves you. If He loves you, it's because He's chosen to love you in Christ. See, we, um, we're always in danger. I hope, I hope, and I pray, and I, and I know you guys pray for me as well, because you've seen pastors just make fools of themselves. So I know you pray for me as well, and I appreciate it. I need it. And I hope, and I pray, that I never turn my back on my family. I hope I never do that. I hope I never turn my back on the Gospel. I hope I never have um, so, so where I fall into some sort of, some sort of like infidelity. I hope I never do that. I am working hard to never do that. I am praying hard to never, never do that. But here's the thing. Humans do that kind of stuff all the time. Humans, they, 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 they stop loving people when it's not doing it for them anymore. When, when, when it comes to this point where they just don't care about that person's approval anymore. They don't care about how that person makes them feel anymore. It's not really worth it. There, there comes a, a point sometimes in, in human life, in which, and we've seen it many, many times, all of us had, where, where, the, where the, the husband says, I don't, really, 
I, I'm not going to stay committed to my wife anymore because I can get more approval. I can get my needs met more somewhere else. I'm going to go elsewhere. This happens all the time. The, the, the wonderful thing about the fact that God doesn't need us is we can be sure that's never going to happen. God's never going to do that to us. Because He doesn't love you because He needs you to approve of Him. He loves you because He loves you. That's what grace is. He loves you because He loves you. And all of us know inside of ourselves, eh, if I was God, I probably wouldn't. Because on one level we say, oh, I want God to love me because I'm awesome. That's, that's, that's our first instinct, right? Oh, I wish God loved me because I'm awesome. But then when we stop and think about it, we remember, oh, I'm not awesome. And so, if he loved me because I was awesome, his love for me would always be in danger. Aren't we thankful he loves us because he is faithful? Because he is committed to us? Because of the gospel of his son? So when we, when we, when we think about this together, this idea of blessing God, what we have to, I say all of that to say this, when we think about the idea of blessing God, what we're doing is simply just saying to Him true things about Him. We're simply agreeing with Scripture about how He describes Himself. We are thanking God for being good and for being wise and for being sovereign. Thank you, Lord. That's what we're doing. That's what we're doing. And He, he delights in this. He delights in our praise. But, but what we have to understand, what we have to understand is that He will gain glory from us one way or another. He will, he will gain glory from us through judging us, or He will gain glory from us by receiving our praise. And He will be happy and satisfied and content in His own glory. So when we bless the Lord, we're simply speaking of Him in how He deserves to be described. So, so we must, this must be a habit in our lives. And, and I mean, and every day to, to thank the Lord that He is always good, that He is always in control, that He is always wise. If you are like me, you are tempted to be thankful to the Lord when, when His goodness and His wisdom and His sovereignty are, are clearly seen. When, when they make sense to us. When, when He's delivered us from sickness or from heartache or from trouble. That's when I see and I thank God for His goodness and His wisdom. I thank Him in those moments. The heartbeat of this psalm, though, is that we do this every day. You servants of the Lord who stand by night in the house of the Lord. You do this. This is a, this is a thing that you do. This is a, a habit that you have. Because there are going to be times, probably many times, where you have more questions than answers. So is God still good? And is He still sovereign? And is He still, and is he still wise when you are suffering with chronic sickness? Or you're going through turmoil? Of course we pray for God to deliver us from those things. Of course we do. But we also bless His name as we are going through them because we, we know that come what may, He is good. He is wise. He is sovereign. If you are sick 
If you are sick, so what we have to understand is that that God is not like a um, like a like a Rocky movie um, where 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 Rocky is 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 boxing against you know whoever it is Rocky three four five Apollo Rocky, Rocky seven Rocky for the twenty first century whatever it is you know Rocky taking on the people in the old folks home now because we got to keep. We gotta keep making money off these movies or whatever it is, you know, just, you know, the, 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 the geriatric sparring or whatever it is. Wait, whatever it is. It's, it, we, we think of God sometimes, when we're praying, we think of God and, and like Satan doing battle in a boxing ring. And we know in the end God is going to win, but sometimes we think that Satan has just gotten this really good uppercut and God's on the mat and, and his, and his manager's like, you can do it. Give him some water. Get back in there. You know, we're not going to throw in the towel. And so God gets up and then finally in the, in the end wins. So we, sometimes we think that when we're sick or when we're going through heartache or when we're going through turmoil, that right now God's on the mat. He'll, he'll, he'll get up and save us eventually. But, but, but he's on the mat right now. He's not really, not really in charge of the situation. That's not the way the scripture teaches it at all. God is sovereign. He is, he is sovereign. This is not a boxing match. This is not a who's gonna win kind of thing. This is, this is not a he's taking his licks, but he'll get back in there eventually. No! God's in control. And that goes for when you're sick and when you're heartbroken. And when, when life is just groovy, and I know groovy's not a word anymore, and button your shirt how you want. All right. But God is good. God is good. He is wise. He is sovereign, even when we're having trouble with the details. He's not. So we, we bless his name. We bless his name. And if you're having a hard time, because sometimes I do, having a hard time like um, um, getting some, some, some sort of a concrete thing, to, to center my praise around, go to the cross. I mean, you can thank the, the Spirit, right? You can, you can pray to the Spirit and say, thank you, Spirit, for showing me the, the, the cross, showing me the Gospel, showing me Jesus. You can thank Jesus for, for dying on the cross for you. You can, you can thank the, the Father for His good, eternal plan that He, that he brought about. You can, you, can thank, you can thank God for the cross. On the cross, Jesus showed us the holiness of God, the, the pure hatred for sin. On the cross, God, Jesus showed us the wisdom and the goodness of God, even when things are, are, are at their darkest. On the cross, Jesus showed us the, the incredible faithfulness, his, the incredible love that God has for His own. So we, when we're having a hard time with the details, we, we remember the cross and we say to God, You are holy, You are wise, You are kind. I bless Your name. So, so that's our first habit. We have to, we, we have to do it. This is, a, this is a part of the Christian life. We don't, we don't arrive away from this habit. This is, a, this is something we carry into spring training with us every single year. Fall camps, Peyton Manning, got to work on the footwork, got to work on the mechanics. I, I know like I could probably coach the other team. I know, I know their offense better than they know it. I know their defense better than they know it. But I gotta, I gotta get my footwork right. I gotta get my throwing mechanics right. I mean, we, and we never arrive away from this. We give God the blessing He deserves. This is a habit. Second habit, number two, trusting Him for the blessing we don't deserve. Alright, so we looked at the first four words. Now let's look at the rest of the psalm. Alright, we looked at come bless the Lord. 
Now let's think through the rest of the psalm together. Come bless the Lord, all you servants of the Lord, who stand by night in the house of the Lord. So, so um, people, people smarter than me, and I've found them. There's lots of people who are smarter than me, actually. Um, you probably don't know anybody, that, but I know a few that are smarter than me. They, they debate on who is the servants of the Lord here. What are, what are they talking about? So the servants of the Lord probably... Um, I've read the little, like, who could this be? And it's, it's, a, it's definitely like a, a, a group of people. It's a, you know, this is, a, this is an actual um, subset of people. It's an actual branch of service. And it's probably the uh, priests that conducted the evening worship services. So it says when, when you stand by night in the house of the Lord, it could be like the Levites who, who literally stood watch, sort of like security guards. That was part of their duty. Um, they, so they, they had the night shift. It could be the night shift um, like Levites, or it could be the, uh, the priests that conducted the evening worship services. Either way, aimed at somebody like that, and we can have no problem whatsoever applying this psalm to, to us, to, to knowing this is for us, because uh, the, the, uh, the New Testament gives this, gives like the, the spiritual part of priesthood, it gives it to us. 1 Peter 2.9 says, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for His own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of Him who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. So 1 Peter 2.9 is kind of the New Testament version of this psalm. You're a royal priesthood. Declare His excellencies. Proclaim His excellencies. You, you are, in the Old Testament, you are the servants of the Lord. You bless His name. In the New Testament, you are the servants of the Lord. You bless His name. You are, you are a royal priesthood. You, you proclaim His excellencies. So, so because of the blood of Jesus, if you are in Christ, if God has done that work in your heart where, you're, where Jesus Christ is your only hope in life and death and you have, you have believed the Gospel because of the, the good, gracious work of the Spirit, because the Father has sent His Son to save you, because of the blood of Jesus, you are you're a priest. You're, you have access to God. You can now actually worship God in ways that are acceptable to Him. So bless His name. So, what we want to see here is something really cool happens. I've buzzed by this psalm probably many times in my life. I know that there, was, there have been times in my life where you had, um, you had, uh, um, uh, we had Bible reading like, challenges when I was growing up. And so, you, you would get points for how many chapters you read. So, I would love chapters like this. Because you, you can just read this one over and over and over. Like, that's, I can just read that 50 times, you know? Just like, I, so, I would just buzz through it. So, this is kind of like a buzz through psalm. But look at the way it works. Let's slow down and look at the way it works. Because it says, um, you servants of the Lord, you bless the Lord, you servants of the Lord, who stand by night in the house of the Lord. Lift up your hands, in verse 2, to the holy place and bless the Lord. And then it moves right into verse 3, which is no longer talking to the servants of the Lord. Now it's what the servants of the Lord say to the rest of the people. So the, like the, the whole thing is kind of shifted here. Um, and so the first two verses... Here's what the, the servants of the Lord are to do. And then the second, or the, the third verse is, here's what they say to everybody else. So, and, and that it's a very interesting because it says, lift up your hands to the holy place and bless the Lord. And, and in, the, in the Bible, you would have people raising their hands to pray. That was like, that was like a, in the Old Testament, this is like a posture of prayer. You're, you're raising your hands to pray, and then you also, though, Raise your hands in order to 
uh, pronounce a blessing on your people. And so, it's a seamless thing in this psalm. It's very interesting. The transition here, it just goes from one thing to another, literally while these servants have their hands raised. They go from blessing the Lord, praising Him, thanking Him, to may the Lord bless you. To, to, to trusting that the Lord will bless their people. It's a seamless it's a seamless thing. And we have to see in our own lives how these things are connected for us as a royal priesthood today. We have to, because this is what we need from each other. This is what you need from me. This is what I need from you. We need to have this, this same like movement in our lives, the same transition in our lives where we spend time praising God for who He is and then we turn to each other and we say, may the Lord bless you. We, we pray that the Lord will bless the people in our lives. We trust the Lord will bless us. We, we know. We know that when we, when we bless the Lord, we're simply doing what God deserves. We're saying the things that He deserves to hear. And we also know that it's the opposite when He blesses us. When He blesses us, He's giving us what we don't deserve. We're not making his existence any better. He's making our existence infinitely better. So I have to make it a habit to, to bless the Lord, and then I, I, pray, I, I praise the Lord, I thank the Lord, and then I turn and I turn to the people in my life that I care deeply for, and I say to them, May the Lord bless you. Ephesians 1 is a wonderful template for this. Ephesians 1 is one of those chapters in the Bible that if you're like, I don't know what to read today. And if you do this 17 days in a row, it's fine. I don't know what to read today. Read Ephesians 1. Read it slowly. Read it with something you can underline. And uh, you read it 17 times in a row, and you'll have the whole thing underlined. Ephesians 1 is a wonderful template. It's a wonderful template for what it means to bless the Lord and then to pray that the Lord will bless the people we love. Ephesians 1 says, Blessed be the God and Father. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Bless the Lord who has blessed us in Christ. Listen to how, listen to how God has blessed us. He has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Even as He chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before Him. In love, He predestined us for adoption to Himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of His will, to the praise of His glorious grace with which He has blessed us in the Beloved. In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of His grace which He lavished upon us. This is who God is and what He has done for us. And so we just read through this and we say, thank you God for this. Thank you God. Blessed be Your name. Thank you for this. You sit there and you remember that you have redemption through His blood. You have the forgiveness of trespasses. You have a Father who will never change His mind about you.
you have, if you are in Christ, you have obtained an inheritance. Verse 11 says, you already have the inheritance. You already have it. Having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. What is that saying? That is saying that is saying that God has saved you and God has an inheritance for you and you are you are redeemed forever by the blood of Christ and your sins have been forgiven forever because of the the gospel of Jesus Christ and and what are we banking what is this all what is all this just just banked on how can we be sure that it's not going to go away because everything in our life is in is in danger everything in life is in danger I often, I often worry that people who love me now are going to hate me tomorrow. No. No, 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 no. All this that we've been given in Christ, it's happened according to the purpose of Him who works all things according to the counsel of His will. In other words, He saved you because He wanted to save you. He loves you because He wants to love you. It's never going away. Dan, you're in, man. You're in. You, you, you are saved because God works all things according to the purpose of His will. So we say, thank you, God. We have a Father we can trust. We have, we have one person in our lives, for sure, who we can trust. So when I, when, I, when I think about that, and when I think about the great blessing I have in Christ because of God, when I think of, of that, and I praise His name for that, then I turn and I, and I think of the people that I care about. And I, and, I, and I think about the way Christ is working in their life. And then I pray for them. And I say, may the Lord bless them. For this reason, Paul says, he's continuing on Ephesians 1, for this reason, because I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus. And so this is, this is not for, I mean, you can't pray this for people who don't belong to Christ. But if you're as confident as, as any human can be, that, that, that your loved one belongs to Christ, then you say, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, and here it is, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of Him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which He has called you. What are the riches of His glorious inheritance in the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of His power toward us who believe according to the working of His great might that He worked in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and seated Him at the right hand in the heavenly places. So what that's saying is, I was so dead in my sins that, that, that in order to save me, God employed the same power that He employed to raise Christ from the dead. He has done so. 
So when I pray for my wife, of course I pray that, that somehow God takes her pain away. Of course I do. When I, when I pray for my children, I, I pray for them to do well in school, and I, I pray for them to have friends. So I guess I'm just praying that somebody as goofy as they are will be in their life and they will like them. You know? I'm just, I, don't know, I don't even know what I'm praying when I pray that. I, I, I pray I mean, because I think you know, I had friends when I was in school, so it's not impossible. God, give them a couple of friends. That'd be great. And uh, of course I do. And, 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 and Abby is in Minneapolis. And of course I pray for her physical protection, that she's safe. Of course I do. Of course I do. I would pray that she would have friends. She doesn't want any friends. And so I don't pray. I don't pray for that. I just pray that people will leave her alone and she can read um, and drink coffee. That's what I pray. And so I just... I, of course I pray for, the, for like the, the physical, earthly things for my, for my family, for my loved ones. Of course I do. But that's about 10% of it. Because that stuff comes and goes. It's here today and it's gone tomorrow. Here's what will carry you through whatever else happens. The knowledge of God. Knowing God. Knowing the great hope with which, to which He has called you. Knowing the, the immeasurable greatness of His power. Knowing that He has raised you from the deadness of your sins and He has seated you in the heavenly places. He has forgiven your sins and He loves you. I don't care what else happens in your life. If you know that God loves you in Christ, that's a, I mean, there it is. The beautiful thing is I know that's a prayer that God will answer for His children. This is what God will give us. I don't know if God will help you health-wise. I hope He does. I pray He does. Of course I do. I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know if God's going God's to work in some of these broken relationships you have. Of course I pray that. Of course I do. I, I want your financial, your physical needs to be met. Of course. Of course I do. But I, way more than that, I pray that you will know God through Jesus Christ. You will know the immeasurable grace, the immeasurable greatness of His grace to us. If you know that the God of the universe loves you because He loves you, if you know that right now Jesus Christ is not ashamed of you, if you know that right now you are protected by, by the one I didn't let me let me read let me read the last line. Well, not the last line, last two verses. He has, he has raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. So right now, Jesus is not like, it's not like a, it's not like a Jesus versus Satan boxing match. Jesus has everything under his feet right now. We know he's going to in the age to come. He has it right now. He's got it. It's under him. He put, him, he put all things under his feet and gave him his head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. I want you to know that you belong to the one who has everything under his feet. If you know that, then you can you can suffer joyfully and you can enjoy life without idolatry. I 
admit that these two habits are not as big a part of my life as they should be. They're not as regular in my life as they should be. I am guilty of exclusively blessing the Lord when I'm, when I'm really tracking with what He's doing and it all makes sense to me. Majority of the time, I don't know what He's doing, so I struggle to bless His name. And I also don't turn to the people in my life and say, may the Lord bless you. And I don't say what I mean by that. I wimp out when, when good concrete theology is needed, I wimp out. So if you do that, we're in the same boat. But the beautiful thing is that God is saving us. He is renovating us. He has this really good plan to present us blameless and holy before Himself. And He's going to do it because He does what He wants to do. So let's trust that he who began this good work in us is going to get this work done, and let's pursue these simple habits together. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for your love. We thank you for this psalm. Thank you for all of the psalms of ascent, and we we thank you for this one, and we thank you, God, for just a simple, 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 straightforward. Simple, straightforward command to bless your name. And we feel a little silly because we don't just do it naturally. What we know of you, we should just, it should just be the the most natural thing in our life to bless your name. But we are, we struggle. We are frail. We are human. We are sinful. We struggle. We thank you for your patience with us. We thank you that you do not change. We thank you that you love us because you love us. That you love us in Christ. We thank you for Christ who has given all of this to us through his sacrifice on the cross. I do pray that if there's folks here who just don't believe that, they've never thought through the gospel, they've never thought through the fact that they're sinful before God, and they've never thought through that Christ is the only one who can pay for their sinfulness, pay the penalty they deserve to pay, I pray that they would believe that good news today, that you would do that miraculous work, the the same work that you did in my heart, bringing me from dead, dead in my sins to alive in Christ, I pray that you would do that work in their heart as well. Help them to believe the gospel. And then for those who who do believe, I pray, God, that you would help us to bless your name. Come what may, bless your name. And, And that we would trust you to bless our brothers and sisters in Christ. And we would encourage them in it. Help us for all this in Christ's name. Amen.